0: There are so many beautiful things I love about this season, and one of them is when I hear that song being sung, and I see the precious smiling faces of our children up here as they're singing, all is well, and I have this sense that all is going to be well. Now, we know all is going to be well because we believe the gospel, and because we know how things are going to turn out because we know what the end of the story is though the life is difficult and I I realize this is a hard season for some of you it's been a difficult season and yet we know that because of the gospel we have this beautiful beautiful hope all is well so much I love about this time of year I I love the beauty of it uh, the wonderful decorations uh, Becky Burrows and her team has done, have done such a wonderful job decorating our foyer and the stage area. I love the lights. Uh, I love the opportunity to get together with our families. Uh, you know, I love all the food, all the food. You know, I, I told myself I needed to lose uh, 10 pounds this season, and the good news is at this point, I have only 15 more pounds to go. So, you know, uh, I, I, we, we, we're, we're just eating all the time. Uh, just great food, Christmas, you know, wouldn't be Christmas without Nana's hash brown casserole, you know, and, uh, and and Jana's beef tenderloin. I mean, it just wouldn't be Christmas without that. And all the sweets that we make, you know, divinity and peanut brittle and all this great stuff we eat. So many beautiful things about Christmas. But also, it's, it's the music. I mean, I, I love... I love singing. I love the beautiful music that we get to be a part of this time of year. I don't know what your favorite Christmas song is. I mean, I love hearing Nat King Cole sing chestnuts roasting over the open fire. Uh, I, 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 love so, I love the spiritual music we sing, the beautiful music we sang just a moment ago. All is well. It's such a beautiful song. And you've probably noticed that if you read Luke chapter 1 and 2 closely, You'll see they're singing all around the Christmas story. Uh, There's Mary when she's in Elizabeth's presence, how she sings that beautiful song we call the Magnificat. We said just a few weeks ago that it's Latin and it means to magnify, and that's what Mary does. She magnifies the Lord in her heart. She's just so amazed that that she, she is blessed with this opportunity to bear the Christ child. But that's not the only singing. We see a lot of other songs as well. When the child is is born, there you have the angelic host. They're giving praise to God. You have Simeon when Jesus is eventually brought into the temple. There's this aged man, and Simeon sings. They're singing all over the Christmas story in Luke chapters 1 and 2. But I would say that one of the... the, um, best Christmas songs in Scripture is not even found in the Gospels. And we don't even consider this a song. And yet it's a song that that the Apostle Paul lifts and he inserts it into this book we know as Philippians. Paul was writing to a church that was divided, a church that was struggling, and in the midst of what was going on, he lifts up this song. And it's found in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. And we'll read this song. In your life together, think the way Christ Jesus thought. He was like God in every way, but he did not think that his being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything, even his place with God. He accepted the role of a servant, appearing in human form, during his life as a man, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on a cross. So God raised him up to the most important place and gave him the name that is above every other, any other name. God did this so that every person will bow down to honor the name of Jesus everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow they will confess Jesus is Lord and this will bring glory to the Father now there are a number of reasons why I like this passage of Scripture I like the fact that that it is in fact an ancient song inserted into this letter I love the fact that it's so expansive and if you think about that song that reading you'll see that that it really it tells the whole story It tells the story of Jesus from the inception when he was with God, the Father, for eternity, but he left the glory of heaven to come to this earth. It tells the story of him being born and eventually dying and being raised up to be at the right hand of the glory of God. This is a story about a cradle and a cross and a crown. And if we think about those three important movements, we see that each of them represents something important about Jesus. We see that the cradle represents Jesus' humanity, the cross, his identity, and the crown, his deity. And while Christmas is about many things, we understand that at its heart, as Francis prayed just a few moments ago, it is about Jesus. And we get to focus on who Jesus is and what he means for us. For us. This song in a very profound way helps us understand something about Jesus' nature. He is in very nature God, says Paul. He did not consider equality with God something to be, to be grasped, to be selfishly held onto, but he made himself nothing. He was found in human likeness, says the Scripture. It's an amazing thought. God took on flesh. He entered our world As we do, we might expect God to enter in a different way, in a more grandiose way. But he was born of Mary. He, as Luke's gospel describes, was born of a virgin. She gave birth to him. She went into labor, and she gave birth to her son, like us. The cradle shows us Jesus' humanity. He is truly the son of of man on this stage today is this uh, cradle uh, this cradle I've mentioned this to you before I think this cradle is very important to our family it was um, it was made by the boys um, maternal great-grandfather I remember uh, around Christmas when Kay Crouch was his name when he made that cradle uh, we went to Olney Illinois where they lived It's in central Illinois. It's cold, snowy, around Christmas time. Mr. Crouch had this uh, workshop in the back of his house, and it was neat as a pin. I mean, nothing was out of place, and that's just the kind of person that he was. I remember he had a wood-burning stove. It was cold outside, but it was warm inside his workshop. A few days before Christmas, I went into his workshop, and there Mr. Crouch was, and he was putting the final touches on this on this cradle, a cradle that my boys would each be in just a little while. They weren't in the cradle long. I watched him as he stained it, as he put the final touches on this beautiful cradle. Well, when Jesus was born into our world, he wasn't placed in a beautiful cradle like this. When Jesus was born, he was placed in in a rough feeding trough. And as Luke narrates the story, as Jim read just a few moments ago, he was wrapped in, in cloth, and in, as we describe it, swaddling clothes. And as I thought about this this past week, I, I couldn't help but think, I wondered: does this, in an interesting kind of way, portend the future? Does it point toward the future? Because this baby was born to die. Just as he was wrapped in cloth at his birth, he will one day be wrapped in burial cloth placed in a tomb after he dies. You see, this child that that we come today to remember and to think about is the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. And while the cradle gives us a picture of his humanity, the cross, it helps us to see something of his identity. Paul says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, and then to add exclamation point, Paul says, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus, he didn't die by living, you know, a long, happy life on this earth, and after 80 or 90 years, he just sort of went to sleep and and died in that sort of way. Oh, no, he he died a cruel death. He died on a cross. Paul was highlighting that fact for us. And while Jesus had no sin... He certainly felt the effects of our sin. The Old Testament anticipates that one day the Messiah would take our place and would bear our sin. And it's the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, writing hundreds of years before Jesus, he says this, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've we've turned away everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about that last phrase. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus took our place. He paid our ransom, Matthew 20, verse 28. And while the cross is a place of suffering for Jesus, the cross is a place of salvation for us. It's the cradle where Jesus identifies himself with us, but at the cross, We identify with with him on Christmas. We come to the cradle. We think about the cradle. But at some point in our lives, we need to come to the cross. One way we come to the cross is through our own baptism. Paul will write in Romans chapter 6 some words that, that tie that baptismal moment tightly with the cross. We we dare not move baptism too far away from the cross. Baptism is at the foot of the cross. Paul says there that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Our baptism signifies that moment when we turn. We turn away from a a lost world and we turn to God and we're connected to the cross in a very powerful way. Just as Christ died for our sins, when we're baptized, we die to our sins. Just as Christ was raised on the third day, the cross anticipates as we're raised up out of the water, it anticipates that moment when one day we too will be raised up from the dead, to live with our Father forever and and ever. And so one of the ways we come to the cross is through our own baptism. But another way, we come to the cross, not just a one-time event, but we come to the cross each week through communion. Each week, when we take communion, we're in a sense looking back. We're looking back at what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. But, we also pivot, and we're looking ahead ahead to that moment when one day we'll be united with all who've gone before the dead in Christ and with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so every Lord's day, we as we come together, we come together to take communion. And we come together to take the bread. and I would like to ask you at this time, if you would, take out one of these or these little cups, and if you would go ahead and take the bread and put it in your hands. It's interesting that every week, as God's people we gather together, we're, we're called to remember. And one of the ways we remember is we take in our hands bread. Bread's so important to us, it gives us life. This meal is a meal that's life-giving. We know that, that in a way we can't completely understand we're connected to the cross, we're connected to what Jesus has done as we take this bread. We understand this bread is symbolic. It represents the body of Jesus. It was broken for all of us, his hands and feet, the suffering, so that we one day could be with him. And so let's pray and then we'll take the bread together. Would you bow with me, please? God, on this Christmas morning, we are so grateful for Jesus' birth, that you loved us enough, and he loved us enough, and the Spirit loved us enough to make a way so that Jesus would come into this world. God, we do believe he was born. We affirm that. We affirm that he was born of a virgin. We also know, Father, that he was born to die. We also know, Father, that after growing up and spending three years in ministry, you went to a cross. God, we're so grateful for that. We're grateful for the life we can have. We're grateful for the hope we can have. For some in this room, the holidays, it's a hard time. Maybe because of some diagnosis. Maybe because some other bad news. And yet, God, we know we know because of Jesus we have such beautiful hope we know fathers we take this bread we're somehow connected to that moment when Jesus died and was raised would you bless this bread as we partake together it's in Jesus name we pray amen but not only every week do we bread we take this cup, this cup with, with grape juice, with the fruit of the vine, and again, our minds go back, and our minds go forward. Our minds go back to the cross when Jesus' precious blood flowed. Our minds go forward to that moment when one day everything will be made right. Well, no, we still struggle. We struggle with sin this side of eternity. We know there's coming a time when we won't struggle with death. It'll be dead. Disease, sin, everything will be made right in eternity because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And so we take the cup and let's pray. God, we're grateful for this cup. We're grateful for the blood that show, that, that was shed for us. And as we put this cup to our lips, I pray that we will remember when Jesus was on the cross, his lips were dry. We'll remember what he said, Father, forgive them. We'll remember the love in his eyes, no judgment, love. In that moment, he was experiencing the judgment reserved for us. He took it for us. We're thankful for that, Father. And so as we take this cup, May we we remember the price that was paid because of our sin, and may we anticipate that moment when we're with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
1: In Christ alone in my hope, hope is found. He is, is my, my life, my strength, strength my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through mm-hmm. the fiercest shroud mm-hmm. and storm. One height of love, one depth of peace. When, when things are still,
0: So in light of all of this, Paul's song, it it reaches this incredible crescendo. It, It reaches this incredibly, incredible high note where finally Paul breaks out in song and he says this, therefore, he says, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The cradle, it emphasizes Jesus' humanity. He is the Son of God. In the cross we see His identity. He is the suffering servant. He is the one who who took our place and now gives us his righteousness. And the crown, it emphasizes Jesus' deity. There we see that Jesus is the Son of God. And there's coming a day, there's coming a time when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Even those today who deny the existence of God or Jesus or think Christmas and what we do as we think about Jesus' birth and death and resurrection, even those who deny that, their knees will drop and their tongues will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so now we have an opportunity now to live our lives in such a way to give praise and glory to God every day. There's a preacher, he's in. Older preacher from another generation. He's passed on already. He was well known, you know, 80 years ago. His name was R.G. Lee. And I realize his language is old and dated, but please forgive that. But in a way, he said something I think that's very powerful. Notice what he said. He said, there never was another who was a human child and also a divine son, who was wounded by Satan and who at the same time crushed Satan who is appointed the savior of men, yet was crucified by men, who is the judge of men, yet was led as a felon from one tribunal to another. There never was another who died and was buried and yet lived, who saved others but could not himself save, who had no sin in him, yet all sin on him, who was the king of glory, yet wore no crown, but crown of thorns, who in the glory he had with God before the world was, had the angelic hails of heaven, and yet on earth gave himself to the murderous nails of men. There never was another who was the prince of life, yet died on Calvary, who is as old as his heavenly father and ages older than his earthly mother, there never was another who is the victim of a Roman cross and a victor at a Jewish grave. And so today, we have seen and read and thought about Jesus in the cradle. We have seen him on the cross, and what absolute joy it will be when we finally see Jesus, when the skies split open, and there we see Jesus wearing the crowns. There we see Jesus coming in his glory. And at that moment, we will fall to our knees and our mouth will give praise to him. We will fall down and we will worship him. This morning this Christmas morning, I don't know where you are, but this may be the day for you to respond in some sort of public way. This may be the day for you to say, I, I'm gonna turn from that old life and I'm gonna respond to what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm gonna respond in faith. My mouth will confess him and I'm gonna be baptized in his name. I don't know where you are today, but if you have a need we can help you with, Barry will come and lead one more song. So come down front while we stand and sing this song of encouragement.